We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to finish my commentary, my response to this interview that I had with the religious news service reporter, where I told him that I oppose critical race theory because it is the exact opposite of the gospel. I'm going to give you more information and more detail on that story. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. So if you listened to the show last week, uh, I think especially the last two or three shows of the week, you know that I told this story about how I was called by a reporter with the Religious News Service who wanted to talk to me about the woke church and why I have difficulty with it and why I'm speaking at a conference in Illinois in February against wokeism, the woke church. My argument is essentially that the woke church is a joke church because it is a church that isn't preaching the gospel. It's preaching something that's man-made and contrived. It's preaching things that are exactly the opposite of, oh, let's say the 10th commandment thou shalt not covet. It's teaching people to actually engage in some of the seven deadly sins, such as envy. So that was my point. That is my point. That's why I stand against the woke church. Now, you know, as I told the story last week, that the reporter immediately sidestepped the word woke and wanted to go directly to critical race theory. And the entire interview focused on why I have difficulty with that, why I object to CRT, critical race theory, and why I think it is the exact opposite. It's antithetical to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the exact opposite of what it means to be a practicing Christian. So I I don't believe that you can be a biblically faithful Christian and embrace critical race theory because of what critical race theory teaches. Now, I shared some of those details with you last week, but today I want to finish off the commentary on this particular topic by digging a little bit deeper into the subject of CRT and what's wrong with it. And I'm going to tell you the story of a young man that practiced forgiveness. I write about this story in my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. This is... I think the best way to show that critical race theory is wrong and the gospel is right and why the church that doesn't understand this distinction, this difference between good and evil, is a church that is preaching anything but the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, or historical Christianity. That's the topic of today's show. Again, similar topic to last week, but with more information, more detail, and hopefully 
tying a tight bow around this argument against CRT. Now, remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. And if you'd like to purchase my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, which I will be referring to in today's show, you can do so by going to any online bookstore, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, whatever online bookstore you use to buy your reading material, you can purchase Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, my most recent book. You also might want to consider buying Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Maybe buy both of those books as a package deal because they play off of one another. And in many ways, they could be one book under one cover. It's just it would have been a much longer book. And that's not the way you sell them today. So consider those two books. And remember, if you do subscribe to The Rebellion at $20 or more per month, I'll send you a free copy of my first book, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas, which, as you know, is my attempt to poke a stick in the eye of the quote-unquote liberals today who do not believe in liberty. They do not believe in freedom. They're not truly classically liberal at all. They're progressives who crave power. And power and liberty are actually kind of antithetical. And we're seeing that in spades today, aren't we, in the reaction to COVID. People don't want you to have liberty. They don't want you to have freedom. They want to control you. They want to silence you. They want to cancel you. They want to quarantine you. Does that feel like liberty to you? Does that smack of freedom? Or is it more like mm, Nazi fascism? Hmm. Maybe we'll talk about that more in the subsequent shows this week. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. So, welcome back to The Rebellion. Let's finish off this topic of why critical race theory is the opposite of Christianity. Now, some of what I'm going to say right now is a bit of a repeat, but that's okay. I want to tighten this argument down in case I was too loose and uh, not clear enough last week. Again, if you haven't been listening to The Rebellion for several months now, maybe you haven't heard me say that one of the best ways to fine-tune your worldview, both in your own mind as well as in the minds of others that are listening to you, is the principle of repetition. Repetition, repetition, repetition. That is a good recipe for communication. It's also a good recipe for learning. Because if you repeat it often enough, you clarify it, you hone it, you fine-tune it, and as you repeat it, you understand your own views better in your own mind. You start believing those views more so in your own mind, heart, and soul, and the people around you are understanding you better, and you have a better chance of winning them over. So there's nothing wrong with repetition. In fact, I would argue that if you don't engage in it, you probably aren't going to learn the material as well as you would otherwise. So uh, I don't apologize for repeating things every once in a while because I think it's healthy. It's healthy for me because I'm understanding my own arguments better and likewise, if you do the same, I would, I would pr propose, I would suggest that you're going to understand 
whatever it is that you're communicating, you're going to understand it better if you repeat it often. Um, it's one of the one of the magic uh, realities, if you will, of the old style of learning that you repeated things over and over again until you remembered them. Well, it's you know that's been disparaged in current uh, pedagogical theory, educational theory now. Just kind of well, that rote memory stuff was no good because you just crammed it in your head so you could pass a test or pass a quiz and then you forget it all. I understand part of that argument, but I also think that throwing the baby out with the bathwater is a huge mistake because repetition, repetition, repetition actually not only is rote memory that you cram it in your head and then regurgitate it. No, if you keep repeating it, keep owning it, keep embracing it, then you will not forget it. There's a reason that God tells the Israelites in the Old Testament to write his rules, his commandments, on you know, uh, on their forehead. Basically carry those rules, those commandments on their forehead. Carry them around so that they would remember them all the time by repeating them. So I don't apologize for repeating. So anyway, um, let's let's boil this down. You know, last week I was... I've told you this. Uh, I was contacted by a reporter for the Religious News Service, the RNS, which is a service that provides religious news to uh, the media across the nation. So if you read a story in the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Chicago Tribune or the Atlantic, often you're going to see that if it's a religious story, there may have been a religious news service reporter providing the content for that story or maybe somebody that actually wrote it. Well, I received a contact from one of those reporters. His first name was Bob. And his reason for calling me last week is he wanted to get my views concerning critical race theory, and he wanted to know why I opposed it. And as you know, I told you um, that uh, my response to the reporter was that critical race theory is the exact opposite of the gospel of Christ. And you know that he went on and said, well, how so? Why do you say that? And as you know, my response to him was, well, first of all, Critical race theory is grounded in revenge. And second, it's driven by conflict rather than confession. And finally, I think critical race theory is the opposite of Christianity because, listen to this, because it ignores the core message of Christ. Critical race theory is completely void of forgiveness. There's no grace in it. So to me, that's pretty clear. I mean, I've, I've given you my, my, my reasons for objecting to CRT. It's grounded in revenge. It's driven by conflict. There's no confession. And it, it's void of the core message of Christ, and that is forgiveness. Where is there any grace in this theory? Grace that you extend outward to others. Where is there any... Um, confession of your own sins, you're encouraged to point the finger outward and blame everybody else for the sins of society. You're not guilty of those. They are. And this quest for revenge, for payback, for reparations, this is not going to solve any problem. It's just a vicious circle, a vicious circle of you're at fault. I'm blaming you. You owe me. There's no forgiveness in this worldview. Well, my interviewer said, I don't understand. And he said that more than once. I told you that. He finally said, are you actually saying that the injustices of our world can be solved by simply telling people to forgive? And I responded and I said, yes. 
Yes. At this point, I was getting agitated and aggravated by, by him. And I said, you don't break the cycle of injustice by fomenting more injustice. <laughs> that's not a good recipe. Maybe Islam thinks that that's going to work, but how is that working? You know, how's that working for them over in the Middle East? They just keep fomenting anger and resentment and war and payback. Century after century, this is not a recipe for peace and mercy. This is not a recipe for justice. This is a recipe for judgment. Critical race theory is the opposite of the gospel. There's no grace in here. So again, I'm going to repeat what I told you and the reporter right now. This is a very important point that I'm trying to make. You don't break the cycle of injustice by fomenting more of it. You break the cycle of injustice by telling people to forgive. I mean, Jesus said when Peter asked him, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Jesus said 70 times seven. In other words, endlessly, you keep forgiving. There's no end to it. You don't say, I've forgiven you once, twice, three times. No, you keep forgiving. There's nothing in the gospel of Christ that says you're justified in holding a grudge. And I would argue this is what sets Christianity apart from other religions. The gospel of God's unmerited grace is the antithesis of other religious worldviews. It's the direct opposite, for example, of the, uh, call it the relentless karma of Buddhism. Um, in fact, sometimes when people refer to karma today, they're, you know, you know he, he got what he deserved, you know, karma. Now, so it's the, the gospel of Christ is the exact opposite of Buddhism and karma. It's the exact opposite of this vengeful, retribution of Islam that I just referred to. The message of Christ and his church, and I say that with a capital C, the body of Christ, this message, this 2,000-year-old message, is in, it stands in juxtaposition, direct opposite, contrary to, contrary to these other world views. It's in juxtaposition, in other words, to spite and resentment in demands for justice social justice, these demands that are fomented by critical race theory. Now, I tell this story in my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, of Brant Jean. And as you know, I talked about it a little bit last week, I believe. And I said, in 2019, there was a trial. And the trial was about Amber Geiger, who was an off-duty police officer, who was convicted of killing Brant Jean's older brother. His name was Botham. It was one of these shootings, accidental shootings. Well, Amber Geiger was actually found guilty in a court of law for, for manslaughter. Um, it wasn't a justified shooting, in other words. Um, the jury delivered its verdict of guilty in this court, in this trial. And the presiding judge over this case gave the younger brother, who was there watching the trial, watching this trial of Amber Geiger, the off-duty police officer who shot and killed his older brother, the judge gave Brandt an opportunity to comment before Geiger was sentenced. And this young man's response, Brandt Jean's response, is something you need to remember. In fact, if you buy my book, 
grow up, life isn't safe, for, but it's good. If you buy it for any reason, buy it for this reason, to read this story. See, Brant Jean's response was stunning. It stunned the courtroom. It stunned the community. It actually put the leftists, the progressives, back on their heels, and it, and it exposed them for who they really are because they were in juxtaposition to Brandt and the way he responded. They had the exact opposite. The antithetical response to Brandt was the progressives who were standing out on the court, uh, on, on the court steps outside the courthouse, the courthouse steps. They were standing out there protesting. No justice, no peace, that type of stuff. And there were pastors out there leading these chants, this protest of this trial. So anyway, when Brandt was given an opportunity to comment, he looked directly at this woman who was found guilty of killing his brother, Amber Geiger, and you know what he did? He didn't talk about justice. No, that wasn't his message. He talked about forgiveness. And this is what he said. I wasn't ever going to say this in front of my family or anyone else, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what Botham would want. And I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that Botham would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person, but I don't wish anything bad on you. Close quote. That's what he said. He didn't talk about you deserve to rot in hell. You deserve a life sentence. You deserve, you deserve capital punishment. You should be executed because you killed my brother. No, that wasn't his attitude at all. In fact, it was the exact opposite. He said, I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. And then he went on to explain what he meant by best, and that is a life committed to Christ because it's the exact opposite of this vicious cycle of anger and resentment and payback and vengeance. You against me, I think you should suffer because what you've done to me and my family. No, it was the exact opposite of that. So everyone expected Brant Jean to voice these words of condemnation. Everyone ex expected him to cry for justice. Everyone thought he would join this crowd that was out on the courthouse steps demanding a life sentence for Amber Geiger, his brother's murderer. No, that's not what he did. Instead, Brandt chose to forgive. And he wasn't the only one. Because after he was done, the father, the father of Botham, the young man who was shot and killed, he lost his son. You know, so the father of Botham and the father of Brandt, the father of these two boys, he took the microphone as soon as Brandt was done. And here's what the father said. Here's what Mr. Jean said. He said, I feel the same way. That's what Christ would want us to do. And if you will not forgive, neither will your father forgive you. Close quote. That's what the dad said. So bottom line is, rather than demanding justice, the father, Mr. Gene, and his younger son, Brant, they extended grace. You get this? They didn't demand justice. Now, a lot of people would say they, they could have, they should have. I mean, they have every right to. Their son, his son was killed. His brother, Brant's brother, was dead. But they didn't demand justice for this. They extended grace. They turned the other cheek. They did what Jesus said to do. 
They elevated Christ above the conflict. They forgave. 70 times 7. So the job of the church, see, and remember the religious news service guy was asking me about the church. So this is an intramural conversation, if you will. It's a conversation within the church. What should the church be doing in this mess, this conflict-laden mess that we find ourselves in today? Should the church be fomenting that conflict by embracing CRT? No, absolutely not. The job of the church is to remind us that we're all sinners, all of us, you, me, everybody. I don't care whether you're black or white. You're a sinner. And frankly, you're chief among them. I'm chief among them. So we're all broken. And the last thing the church should be teaching anyone is that somehow they're better than some other group of people. That you're better than me or that I'm better than you. Again, we're all broken. None of us are better than anyone else because of the system or intersectionality or privilege or anything else. See, these messages from CRT actually teach people to elevate themselves above the other group. They're the sinners, we're not. That's not the message the church should be promoting. Because the good news of the gospel is that we can rise above all of this conflict and this resentment and this blame. And we don't have to let others control us, and we don't have to be controlled by our own sins or anybody else's sins. We don't have to be enslaved by this endless cycle of victimization and vice. We don't have to be held bondage to sin, ours or anyone else's. That's the message of the gospel. We can forgive. We can be saved. Okay, we we hear that word a lot. Well, saved from what? Well, when you hear the word saved, you think of eternity, saved from hell. But yeah, that's true. But you can also be saved from other stuff right here in the temporal. Saved from anger, saved from vengeance, saved from self-righteousness, saved from ourselves. Martin Luther, father of the Reformation, once wrote this. It's in an ancient hymn. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. One more time on that that, uh, stanza, that that, uh, brief phrase, out of a mighty fortress is our God. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Who's Martin Luther referring to? Satan, Lucifer, the devil. Our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and he's armed with cruel what? Hate. (laughs) CRT foments that hate. It plays into the hands of Satan himself. Martin Luther wrote of that. Our ancient foe seeks to work us woe. He doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be sorrowful and sad. He wants to break us. And he's got great power. He's pretty good at his craft. And he's armed with cruel hate. That's his key uh, weapon against us. We're not his equal. On earth, 
There is no equal. But the solution is what John Newton wrote of in another hymn. John Newton, the slave trader who converted to Christ and made his entire life thereafter a commitment to the gospel, he wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And what's a stanza, stanza out of that? Well, this isn't, it, well, I, I am, I'm melding two things together in terms of a stanza out of the hymn, as well as a quote from John Newton. His quote was, there are two things I know. I'm a great sinner and Jesus is a great savior. One more time, he said, there are two things I know. I'm a great sinner, not you, I am. Stop pointing the finger outward, look at yourself. You're a great sinner. I'm a great sinner. Everyone's a great sinner, but I also know that Jesus is a great Savior. And then what does the hymn Amazing Grace say? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Again, Newton is encouraging us to look inward, not look outward. Look in the mirror. Stop looking out the window. You're the sinner, not that other guy. You get the point? The cycle of cruel hate is broken only by God's grace. God's toward you and yours toward others. And grace is made real in our lives, in our temporal lives, only through the act of forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness go hand in hand, two sides of the same coin. And that's the way you break the cycle of cruel hate, the weapon that's being used against the human heart and soul. Brant Jean and his dad clearly understood something that my reporter friend from the religious news service, reporter Bob, doesn't. Yeah, and reporter Bob makes his living writing about religion in the news. Brant, Gene, and his dad are just simple believers in Christ. They're not out there making a living at this. They actually are living this. There's a difference. So to put it very simply, the gospel is not about justice. <laughs> it's not about anyone getting what they deserve because you don't want, and I don't want what I deserve. Nobody wants what they deserve. No, the story of Christianity is one of grace. It's a story about forgiving others because like Brant, Gene, and his dad said, that's what Christ would want us to do, close quote. So, their story is a story of a savior who preaches forgiveness and changes the world, while the story of this interview with reporter Bob is a story about a guy that writes about religion popping off about justice and changing nothing. Nothing. Not even changing himself. All of us need grace. None of us are good. None of us should get what we deserve, or at least we don't want to get it because it wouldn't be pretty. Christianity is a message of forgiveness and grace, and that's not critical theory. I hope reporter Bob thinks about this a bit and humbles himself a bit because he is not gonna get justice with his worldview. He's going to get vengeance. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.